A Bank of America scandal reveals progressive wokeism for what it truly is. And how much does a diversity and inclusion officer make per year? This is a Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. I want to talk about a story today that has to be one of the best of the year, in my opinion, because of how perfectly it juxtaposes someone's virtue signaling with the way that they actually treat people in real life. And I'm talking about the story from yesterday where Bank of America agreed to pay $250 million for using deceptive practices and abusing their customers for at least 12 years, I believe was uh, what they found. And I've seen some coverage of this story in the news, but everything that I've seen leaves out the most important part, which involves another story from this week as well, that's directly tied to this one, that everyone seems to be ignoring the connections to. It's it's crazy that this isn't being point at, pointed out, or maybe it's not. I don't know. I am going to point it out, though, after we go through the details of this bank scandal. So yesterday, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPD, ordered Bank of America to pay over $100 million to customers that it had harmed and another $150 million to, in penalties to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau as well as the Office of Comptroller of the Currency. The reason for the fines leveled against Bank of America, the, the world's second largest bank, or the, the America's second largest bank, mind you, and this is according to the Protection Bureau's press release, it says... Bank of America harmed hundreds of thousands of its customers over a period of several years and across multiple product lines and services. Specifically, they say that Bank of America deployed a double-dipping scheme to harvest junk fees. What they did was they were charging people multiple $35 overdraft fees for the same transaction. So they were basically charging people a $70 overdraft fee, which is a great feeling for someone who's already struggling financially. There's just nothing like sticking your card in the ATM machine to get a little bit of money out, only to have the machine tell you that you're too broke to get any. And on top of that, for even trying to, you're now going to be charged 35 bucks that you clearly don't have. And if that didn't feel bad enough already, later on, for absolutely no reason, Bank of America is just going to go ahead and slap another $35 fee on top of that. 70 bucks because you wanted to get a few dollars so that you could go get a sandwich. That's just the kind of customer service that you get at the U.S.'s second largest bank. And they've apparently been doing this and profiting from it for several years. According to the uh, banking regulators, between February of 2018 and February of 2022, Bank of America made hundreds of millions off of charging multiple fees to customers who didn't have enough money in their bank accounts. Hundreds of millions they made off of their brokest customers who are struggling the most financially. That's the kind of company we're dealing with in Bank of America here. And when you think about how this impacts the people who are getting hit with these double charges, it shows how This can quickly spiral out of control and really bury someone underneath a mountain of debt built almost entirely on penalty fees from their banking institution. Because what happens is someone who's struggling financially, they get hit with fee after fee after fee. They probably don't even know why, but it buries them deeper and deeper in debt. And they don't have the money to pay that off because maybe they lost their job or something. And as long as they can't pay that off, that debt is going to continue to grow with interest and whatever else. And if they don't pay it off by the deadline, then they'll start getting fees tacked on for that. And at this point, missing the deadline for payment, their credit report and their credit score then starts getting hit and that starts plummeting. And the longer this goes on, the more their credit score drops while the higher that debt becomes. I mean, it's a horrible endless cycle 
that can be triggered by penalty fees from a bank. Then the collection agencies get involved because they'll sell the debt to a collection agency. And from that point on, this person who is already getting screwed by, by Bank of America is now being subjected to harassing phone calls on like a daily basis from some, uh, from some gangster type of collection agency. You owe this money and they're getting letters. It, it, I mean, it can send somebody into a spiral of depression. And this is obviously a situation that most people would prefer to avoid. So when they find themselves getting hit with these fees, if they have to, maybe they take whatever job they can just so they can start paying it off and trying to prevent that. However, if the job they get is, is minimum wage or something or doesn't pay that well, then they could be putting their entire paycheck towards paying off a debt built on penalty fees that's not even doing any damage to that debt because the amount that is being added to it is growing faster than they can earn. And it's making Bank of America hundreds of millions of dollars by taking every single dollar their most financially vulnerable customers can scrap together to try and pay off a bunch of ginned up penalty fees, most of which are probably, 90, are, are probably bogus. But here's the thing. You can try and figure out why you're getting slapped with penalty fees and try and get them to remove some of them, which you can do successfully if you are one of their high-value customers. You got a huge bank account. You've been there for a long time. We'll take care of you, sir. But if you're one of their most brokest, vulnerable customers, ain't nobody going to tell you where that fee is even coming from. And you're going to have to endure hell to try and get those fees removed because they intentionally make the process of trying to get it removed the most biggest pain in the ass you've ever experienced in your life because they try and make people give up. I mean, these guys are jerks. I experienced this a little bit with Bank of America when I was in my 20s in college and I did not have much money. And I started getting hit with these fees. I had no idea where they're coming from. Meanwhile, I'm trying to get uh, the $6.12 out of my bank account that I, I can't get that out of an ATM machine. And every time I check my bank statement, I still got that same $6.12, but I got another $300 of banking fees tacked on. I ain't got a clue in hell where they came from. It's like they're charging me rent to allow my $6.12 to live at their bank. The main takeaway I want you to remember when it comes to their abusive behavior from that one, especially when I connect it to the story from later, is that they made hundreds of millions of dollars off of their most financially vulnerable customers by bleeding them dry and abusing them. The next thing that they did, according to the uh, press release, was they manipulated tens of thousands of people into signing up for credit cards by telling them that once they did, they would receive a cash and bonus points reward thing, which once those people got signed up, Bank of America was like, what are you talking about? We didn't promise you any cash rewards. They got these people to sign up and gave them none of the, the cash rewards they promised. And the third and final thing they did, and I'm laughing at this stuff because they're just such assholes and it's so obvious, but they just carry on with this behavior. A bunch of Bank of America employees in this situation, all they were trying to do was meet their sales-based incentive goals. And they did so by illegally pulling a bunch of People's credit reports, a bunch of strangers and applying for credit cards using those people's information without telling them, without asking them. Those people probably didn't even realize that someone else had gotten them a new credit card for them <laughs> until their credit score started plummeting because they didn't use it and sure there was some use requirements on it. In Bank of America's defense here, 
the objective wasn't to prevent a bunch of strangers' credit scores from dropping. It was to reach those sales goals. And it looks like those employees did just that. Yes, of course, they broke the law to do it. And yes, of course, they're awful. What's truly terrible about this one is this has been going on for years. And they, they're just now exposing this. Can you imagine you're working at a, at a bank like that? And you're like, well, we got to reach those sales goals. We can cold call a bunch of strangers and, you know, try and convince them to do something that they're going to be resistant to. Or we can just force them to. They'll never know. And, and you know, they do it once they get away with it. And then, then it becomes probably a regular thing. This is the type of employee behavior that went on has been going on inside Bank of America for years. And keep that in mind too, because that also relates to the story we're going to connect to it. Altogether, the uh, Consumer Protection Bureau found that Bank of America had violated the Consumer Financial Protection Act, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, <laughs> the Truth in Lending Act, and the Federal Trade Commission Act second largest bank in the United States, handles trillions of dollars. And in doing all of this, they actually reached a pretty impressive milestone because when this fine is added to the two fines that they received last year, which were $225 million and then $10 million, as well as a fine they received back in 2014 of $727 million, that means that during a span of less than 10 years, Bank of America has been fined over $1 billion. Congratulations. That's an accomplishment. You should celebrate Bank of America because you have just proven that you can abuse your most vulnerable customers financially for over a decade. And not only is there no amount of fines that will stop you from doing it, your standing as one of the biggest banking institutions in the world will go unaffected. Bank of America is acting like this is no big deal. That's exactly how psychopathic organizations and people behave. They don't give a rat's ass the way people are affected, yet they'll turn right around and act like they are the most wholesome, well-intentioned person and organization on the planet. Which brings me to the other story, and I love this, okay, that connects to this story that nobody is pointing out. And I can't believe that nobody is pointing this out. Around the same time that the news of Bank of America agreeing to pay $250 million in fines for lying, abusing, and basically stealing from the, the brokest customers... You know where the CEO of the company was? He was at Windsor Castle where he was hanging out with the King of England, the billionaire CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, and also President Biden. That's true. That is 100% true. These stories came out on the same day. Why was he there with such royalty and wealth? To save the world from climate change. Because he cares about this planet. He cares about the people on it. And he just wants to save us all. Unless we overdraw our Bank of America account. Then he's going to rape us. He's either going to save you from climate change or rape you. You see, what this guy is, is he is a champion of environmental, social, governance standards. 
ESG. And yet his company, Bank of America, in reality, despite what they say they represent, abused the hell out of customers over and over again, and they don't even deny it. And yet they are one of the world-leading corporations in ESG. The CEO, his name is Brian Moynihan. He was at the past couple of Davos. I'm sure he's at every one of them, but I actually played a whole bunch of clips of him because I did a bunch of shows highlighting what ESG is this year and last year. And he was the main speaker in all of the ESG environmental social governance standard panel discussions, the social credit score type system where they apply these metrics to the biggest corporations in the world for the purpose of having it trickle down to the surrounding communities across the border even to control people's behavior and their values, essentially. It's a grand virtue signal where they get a whole bunch of, they're basically being bribed. They're getting all this BlackRock money to use their corporation to project progressive values onto the world. And it starts within their company. And he was the main speaker because his company, Bank of America, was being used as the model to showcase to everyone at Davos how to properly apply these ESG metrics at every level of the corporation. So the company run by the guy who's recognized as one of the world's foremost experts and leaders in corporate responsibility, DEI, and ESG has been financially raping its most vulnerable customers for over a decade, something that he does not even deny, which he probably doesn't even have time to deny it because every word out of his mouth is a virtue signal. Look at their website. It's covered in nothing but virtue signals and messages about Racial equality and economic opportunity here says our company wide commitment to advancing racial equality and economic opportunity. Here you have being a diverse and inclusive workspace at Bank of America. We're committed to cultivating a diverse and inclusive workspace and focusing on partnerships that drive change and address critical challenges facing our communities. Creating an inclusive environment starts at the top and extends all the way and extends to all of our company. Our board, its committees, and our CEO play a key role in the oversight of our culture, holding management accountable for ethical and professional conduct and a commitment to being a diverse and inclusive workplace. Everything, everything on this site. Here's another one. Sustainable finance is a tool that can help in the transition to a low-carbon, more inclusive economy. Sustainable finance is another phrase they throw around with ESG. And I don't think there's a page on their website that doesn't have a section on that particular page for ESG. Here's one right here. Environmental, social, and governance, the power to make a difference. At Bank of America, our environmental, social, and governance focus not only reflects our company values, but also ensures we are holding ourselves accountable. It's everywhere on their page. There's another ESG page outlining the ESG report document center. Or they say they work to be transparent to uh, tell us about what they're doing, their virtue signals. They have gender pay gap reports. They have a task force on climate-related financial disclosures. They say as one of the world's largest financial institutions, we are committed to ensuring that climate-related risk and opportunities are properly managed within our business. And Moyer, the CEO, apparently since 2007, it says here, he has chaired the Global Diversity and Inclusion Council, the chief governing body for their diversity and inclusion strategy, says they have a chief diversity and inclusion officer who partners with the CEO 
to drive diversity and inclusion strategy programs, initiatives, and policies. So these guys are doing a bunch of that weird training. The Goal Diversity and Inclusion Council they have provides goal setting, which is embedded in our performance management process and occurs at all levels of the organization. You can see here that uh, something called Euro Money named Bank of America as the world's best bank in 2022. I sure hope not. If this is the best bank, I don't want to see what the worst one is. Over here on their values page, you see some more ESG stuff at the bottom there. It's everywhere. And you also see Realize the Power of Our People, where they say that they strive to help all of their employees reach their full potential and that they believe that diverse backgrounds and and experiences make them stronger. They say they respect each individual and value their differences and thoughts, style, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, and expression, race, ethnicity, culture, age, ability, and experience. And, you know, I would add to that, as long as they're not a customer. You know, I don't know that they're violating any of these things that we've read when it comes to their customer abuse, because... None of this stuff says anything about the treatment of their customers. All of this is about how inclusive of a company they are within, which I actually think is kind of great because they've created a safe space here at Bank of America where people of all ethnicities, sexual orientations, and gender identities can come together and have the power to abuse the hell out of as many financially struggling Bank of America customers as they want. And it's about damn time. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of cis white hetero men being the only ones who get to abuse struggling people. It's high time some gender non-binary and trans people got to be the ones unleashing hell on some undeserving broke people. I want to see a black trans female branch manager at Bank of America beating a broke customer into submission with her lady dick. That would make my dream come true and show how much progress America is actually making. If you want to know if you're eligible for any of this money that Bank of America has to pay, according to Newsweek, you don't have to do anything. Bank of America will will either deposit funds into your existing account or send you a check. Which I don't know that I would trust that because in the same article, it it admits that Bank of America has failed to remedy many things that they were supposed to remedy. So I don't know why they would leave it in the hands of this abusive institution to do the right thing when they clearly have shown that they only say that they do the right thing and they very rarely appear to actually do the right thing. I just can't get over that how all these abuses that they were committing against their customers came out for a decade. That the dude's hanging out in a literal castle with Joe Biden and the BlackRock guy and the king. It's just, it's perfect. Oh, here, right here, if you want to look, this is the... This is the energy and security net zero thing. This is the reason they were over there at the the King's Castle. And you can see the full list of Climate Finance Mobilization Forum. And here he is right here from Bank of America, Brian Moyen. He also got the BlackRock guy, Larry Fink, and a whole bunch of others as well. People should really be talking more about this Bank of America story because it does more than just reveal Bank of America as being a big old fraud. It also highlights how this current brand of woke progressivism that's infecting a lot of areas of the country as a whole, is a big fraud because this is what it's used for. This is what it allows, what Bank of America is doing here. These global corporations, they, they try and brand themselves with this outward image of being a woke, progressive company that cares about people, that puts people over profits, and therefore everybody should trust them, believe them, when it couldn't be more clear th- that nobody should trust these people. 
I mean, they're the opposite of what they pretend to be, and they're, they hide behind this veil of wokeism. All of this stuff is part of a trust-building initiative that was launched at the World Economic Forum Davos meeting like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, when the major theme of the entire conference was rebuilding trust in the controlling institutions of society that the world public has grown to distrust. I've played the clip on the show a number of times from one of the panel discussions where it's all these elites sitting there talking about how they, the elites of the world, I put quotes around that, have never been more unified than they currently are. However, the problem is that at the same time, the people of the world have never trusted them less. And I think there was like 13 different panel discussions focused on how to change that and regain that public trust because they cannot achieve their agendas without getting enough people to trust and go along with them. And ever since that meeting, we've seen a number of these trust-building initiatives emerge from Davos partners and friends and people who go along with the agenda, with the most obvious being CNN's failed rebrand attempt when they cleaned house and got rid of their most recognizable propaganda faces like Brian Stelter. But there's been other trust-building strategies going on as well. And there was one in the news today that I found pretty interesting and, and actually hopeful because of how bad they are at this, they, they, they try and build trust in ways that makes it so obvious that they aren't trustworthy. It's great. And what I'm talking about is there was a report published, a new report from the MIT Tech Review in partnership with the global consulting firm Deloitte. And a lot of people are talking about it today. And so I pulled up the, the report and I read it. It's just about eight pages. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but you can see it on screen there. You see what the title of this thing is. It is called Introducing the Chief Trust Officer. The Chief Trust Officer. They're going to tell us all about it. And at the top, you see it says there, building and maintaining stakeholder trust is now a key responsibility across the C-suite with all their executives. And this is right out of the economic World Economic Forum initiative a few years ago. We got to regain control. We got to get their trust again so we can start manipulating them again. And the report says... Trust should not be taken for granted. In fact, in an era characterized by a rapid digital transformation, heightened stakeholder expectations, rise in misinformation, recessionary concerns, and sophisticated cyber attacks, organizations should work harder, harder than ever, to earn and maintain trust. And apparently this new novel idea of trust, I mean, who would have thought? Apparently it's catching on because the report goes on to say that with trust, a top-of-mind issue now with executives. Enter the chief trust officer. I love how that implies that trust was never a top-of-mind issue with them before. You know, they just talk about this like it, they, nobody's ever cared about trust before. Obviously, we're not trustworthy. The paper goes on to describe the responsibilities of the CTO, the chief trust officer, or similar executive dedicated to trust, and the way that they describe it is the same way that they talked about ESG and DEI and all that other stuff when they rolled all that out as well. It's just another version of all of that. They say that to make trust tangible and actionable, they need a robust framework compromised of 18 organizational domains and over 90 underlying trust drivers, such as cybersecurity, customer experience, and environmental, social, and governance domains. 
That sounds like it was written by someone who's relied on deception to get what they want for their entire lives. And now that it's no longer working, they're like trying to figure out the best mathematical equation that they can use to regain their ability to manipulate. And that's the problem with all these trust-building efforts. Just like Bank of America with its ESG, DEI metrics that it showcases on every page of its website, they do all of these things, these corporations, for the purpose of creating outward indicators to society that a corporation is trustworthy. Which, if they were true, if these indicators were accurate, then Bank of America, who is a global leader in ESG and DEI, would be one of the most trustworthy corporations on the planet which clearly they're not. No one should trust them ever. Yet their trust indicators say they're the most trustworthy. What's it say about your trust indicators when the corporation who champions them and boasts some of the highest scores in the world has had to pay over a billion dollars in fines over the course of the past nine years because of lying to, stealing from, and abusing its customers? I'll tell you what it says. It says that ESG and DEI, and I have a suspicion that they're going to be creating a new acronym to represent whatever metrics come out of this newly published study, it says that those aren't trust indicators at all. They're deception indicators. The higher a company's ESG or DEI score, the more likely they're lying to you. And this is the root of the problem with these trust-building things, these initiatives that these global organizations are engaged in. Like this one here, like the CTO initiative. They're all focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on creating an image of trust. When if they actually cared about their customers like they claim to, what they'd be focusing on is being trustworthy. Just being trustworthy instead of trying to trick people into thinking you were. This is why this stuff comes off as out of touch and disingenuous every time they put one of these out. I mean, look at this down here. They have a list in this study of executive job titles that have emerged since 2019 that are different ways of describing the role of chief trust officer, as well as the percentage rise in companies hiring for those positions in that period of time, I think between 2019 and 2022. The fastest rising trust officer related role that companies have hired for is the role of chief diversity and inclusion officer. Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, there's been a 169% rise in corporations that have created this executive position. And this is great news. These corporations think that giving executives job titles like Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer is going to make us trust them. They think that's going to win back people's trust. That is what makes them look trustworthy. They believe in their stupid minds. They clearly have no idea what they're doing. All Orwellian titles like this does is signal that a company is trying to manipulate you. So th thank you. Any company with a chief diversity and inclusion officer, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere near these clowns. Here's another one. There's been a 144% rise in the creation of the position of <laughs> chief people officer. Hi, how you doing? Chief people officer. You can trust me. That's a, that's a little lacking in creativity there. What do we call this? How about chief people officer? That's brilliant. Deloitte even had a global trust symposium a few months ago to work on this problem of trust. And the best thing they could come up with was hire more chief diversity and inclusion officers. 
Nice work, guys. How much does a chief diversity and inclusion officer get paid? You might be asking. I know I was. So I looked it up here, and here's us from Glassdoor. We have uh, for Udemy, located in San Francisco, global head of inclusion and diversity. They get anywhere between 158000 to 246000 a year. Then we have a remote job for healthcare without harm. The head of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, making 120k to 130k a year. Man, you know, if you guys want to jump in, some of these are newly posted. The chief diversity and inclusion officer, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, is looking to hire that position in New York, and you can make anywhere between 178,000 and 234,000 dollars a year. And look at this: the United States government. If you're interested in working in the government. The U.S. Office of the Secretary of Interior is hiring a chief office, a chief diversity officer, director, office of diversity, inclusion, and civil rights. So, healthcare without harm is hiring a head of diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging for a remote job for 120k a year. What about the chief trust officer? What are they making uh, per year? Chief trust officers make, on average, across America, two hundred sixty-four thousand nine hundred dollars per year. Not a bad gig. You're a propagandist is what you are, but not a bad gig for a a corporate propagandist. This is a list of the top 10 highest paying cities for chief trust officer jobs. Eight out of 10 of them are located in California, and the other two are in Washington. (laughs) Of course, that is exactly where they would be. And this is great. Nearly 50% of Fortune 500 companies have chief diversity officers. 76% of those chief diversity officers are white. (laughs) Around 8% are Latino, and I think a little under 8% are Asian as well. Under 4%, 3.8% are black, so they can't even accomplish diversity in the hiring of their chief diversity and inclusion officers. They have failed again. And the reason is because they think about it all wrong. They're just trying to trick people. They're trying to lie to people, and they're trying to do it like mathematically, and they're so bad at it, it just reveals themselves at every turn. Okay, for the DMBXR, the subscriber-only portion of the show, I went down a rabbit hole a little bit, searching for ridiculous job titles that are available that companies are hiring for and how much they pay, and I found a little bit more than I was expecting, because I, I, I discovered a pattern. A lot of the jobs with these titles are government positions that are looking for someone who they can place in various countries around the world. So there's a bigger operation going on, and it's evident by recent job openings that have come available for United States government jobs. So I'm going to go through that in the DMB XR as well, show you a failed attempt at a robbery that... Whether it's real or whether, whether it's not, it's still pretty funny, in my opinion. That was, it was caught on camera here in Atlanta. And if you want to get access to that, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. That is how I support the show, how I, I support myself and how we keep things going here. And I, I appreciate everyone's support. And if you want to help in a different way, you can go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whichever one it is, and leave a five-star review and a message that warms my heart that does always boost me up and, and help me keep help me keep fighting and, and keep diving into this propaganda. So thank you all for that. And 
we will talk to you next time. You can check out the website at propagandafight.com. You can find me on Twitter at Freedom Act Radio, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Brad Binkley, on Rumble at rumble.com slash The Prop Report. Thank you guys for watching, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.